Okay, so here's a little um, little thing. Maybe somebody introduced themselves to you and you, you already have forgotten their name. But if you happen to remember it, here's, here's what I normally do is I usually write in my phone, like in my little notes, I write, okay, this is who I just met. And, uh, and then, you know what, you might remember it after and you can uh, reconnect with them as well and remember their name. That's just a little uh, cheater, cheater trick there. All right, I invite you to take out your scripture journal or your Bible as you have it. It will also be on the screen. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 3, looking at verse 6 to 14 today. And so uh, go ahead and grab that, open that. We still do have some of those scripture journals available for you if you want. There's no need for those to be sitting there not being used. So help yourself to one of those after if you, uh, if you want. All right, here we go. This is carrying on from last week, and it goes into it right here. We go, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who, hanged, who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Let's pray. Father, today we are grateful to you for your word that spoke to generations long ago and continues to speak to us today. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive from you, to hear your voice, which speaks to us through your word. We pray that this would be more than just something that we, we can nod and agree to, but something that we can leave in this, from this space into our world and live it out. And we pray, God, the blessing of your word as we hear it and receive it today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, just say this again. As, uh, if you are new to us, we've been in this series called The Free Life, and it is based out of the book of Galatians. And so I'm not going to do a rehash of everything that we've been. Our, our sermons are up. We have podcasts and things you can get caught up and as well as our YouTube channel. But we are, we are about this midway point of this, uh, this series, even though we're going to take a little bit of time uh, in the new year and unpacking uh, all the fruits of the Spirit kind of in, as individual ones. So that's why, as I said last week, we're going to be in this book of Galatians through Easter. Uh, and so we've been in this series, and, and we want to... Um, Unpack today a little bit this uh, idea of, of faith. What, what is it and why, why is it so much that, that Paul keeps kind of harping on this, this theme throughout this book. And so Paul has been banging this drum 
that people are justified, that means declared right before God, by faith, not by the law. And so he's appealed to, to his own divine revelation that he received from God. He's appealed, as we spoke of last week, to, to this, this group, to their actual experiences, to their, their conversion experience, even to their, their suffering, their being persecuted, and also to the miracles that they witness. And, he, and so he's pointed to those things and said, how did those things come about in your life? Did it come because of the law? No, they hadn't even actually heard that yet, this, this group of people. They responded to the teaching of the Apostle Paul about receiving Christ by faith, alone by, by the grace of God, not by anything that they had done. And then later on, after Paul had left, as we've been saying, this, this group, these Judaizers, they came in and they said, yes, believe in Jesus for sure, but you also need to add to that faith the law and being obedient and, and submitting to the law. And Paul has said, no, that's, that's not right. That's a distortion of the gospel. And so now he's been clarifying this, you know, recalibrating this, saying it's by faith alone. And so all these things that you've experienced came about because of faith, not because of, of the law. And so this morning, as we continue in this passage, Paul is going to bring out the big guns. He's going to talk about Abraham an appeal to Father Abraham using the scripture that they knew, and in fact, the only scripture they had. And so we're going to look at this passage in terms of how Paul lays it out, in terms of the good, the bad, and the blessing. The good, the bad, and the blessing. And then I'm going to unpack a little bit uh, for us what real faith looks like today. All right? The good, the bad, and the blessing. First of all, the good, verse 6 to 9, again, just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham the man of faith. Now, one little thing to note here when it says the man of faith, or it could be um, uh, also understood as, as of the party of faith. Remember, we were talking earlier about this, this circumcision party, which wasn't really a party, uh, but this group of people, right? I keep coming back to that joke because I find it funny. But they were the circumcision party. This was this group of people that said, this is what you need to do to also be acceptable to God, is come under the law and be circumcised. And so what Paul is actually doing here is that he's saying that Abraham wasn't actually a part of that party. He was actually a party of the party. He was part of the party of faith. It's hard to say that. Lots of parties. But that's where, that's where Abraham found himself, was he was of the faith party, is what he's saying here, the man of faith. All right, so this is curious. It says that the gospel was preached by Scripture or by the Lord himself through Scripture to Abraham. Genesis 15, verse 6, is, is a clear understanding of, of the gospel that's, that's really presented through the whole book. That Abraham received the, the understanding, the declaration of, of being made right with God because of his faith. And that carries through the whole Bible. 
See, the gospel is the story of God's redemptive purposes and his promises being fulfilled from cover to cover. And the Bible tells us one story, that God is restoring all things to himself, and he chose to do this ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ. And so Abraham is really the prototype Paul is is referring to of of faith, the prototype of faith. All right, here's a little assignment for you here with your journals or your your Bible. How many times is is faith used in this specific passage? You can underline them, circle them, or whatever, okay? The first one, who can tell me the the number of times faith is used just in verse 6 to 14? Seven. My wife got it, like, just like that. I mean, I didn't even tell her that ahead of time. Little brown noser there. Seven times. Seven times, all right, faith is used in the ESV, you know, whether your, your translation uh, uses, you know, belief or something else in, in terms there. But seven times at least in this passage. So that means we note that when, when the, the writer uses a term over and over again. So it's by faith or of faith or through faith. This is, this is an important thing. He's saying that this is a big part of his argument here. So why is this so important for Paul's argument? He's saying that Abraham was declared righteous. That was like he was, it was credited to his God account. It's kind of a financial term. It was, it was credited to him as righteousness because of his faith. He was justified by his faith And here's the big deal. It was apart from the law. It came separate from anything to do with the law. Because the law came hundreds of years later with Moses. And in fact, if you look at it from Genesis 15 and on, he he receives this. And this is what he's commended for even before circumcision, which happens in Genesis 17. This is is why Paul is referring to this very clearly. And this would have probably set off, you know, these these Judaizers a lot. Because he's picking on the father of their faith, Abraham, but saying his righteousness before God had nothing, nothing, nothing to do with what he did. And nothing to do with the law. And Paul also clarifies this in Romans chapter 4, verse 9 to 13. He says this, Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but also who walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Now, you count all the words that I said there about circumcision. That's another big question. You don't have to circle those ones. This is what he says, though. For the promise to Abraham, this is verse 13 of Romans 4, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Again, he's just backing up what he's been saying here in Galatians and Romans came later. This is, this is exactly what he's laying out. 
It came about by faith, not through the law. And that's the good part. Now the bad, this is what he says, verse 10 to 12. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear, hear this word curse in my, uh, in my current cultural awareness, um, although it's getting old, the movie, but I think of Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> and I think of the, you know, the curse of the Black Pearl, and this, this Captain Barbosa, right? And he's like, we be cursed. Uh, that was my best Captain Bar- Barbosa. Not, not really great, eh, as a, as a pirate. But these pirates that are, that are under this curse, and, and every time when the moonlight comes upon them, they turn into these, these skeletal, you know, scary monster creatures. That's sometimes we think of that in terms of, a, you know, if there's a curse upon someone. And so what is Paul kind of getting at here? He's actually referring to Deuteronomy 27, verse 28, which says, Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them, and the people shall say, Amen. And so the, the law was given to the people, and they responded. They said, Amen. It's, it's true. It's, it's good. We will, we will do it. We will follow it. But they, they couldn't. And we see this throughout the Old Testament, that, that no one actually could do all the works of the law. They, they couldn't keep it. And this is something also for us to understand, because if we think this audience, if this is what they thought, if the Jews thought, oh, there's, there's got to be a way that we can keep the law perfectly. They didn't. They never understood that to be even the, understand, the, the way that the law was g- given, because that's why they had the sacrificial system. That's why they would, would sacrifice their, the animals, because they, they couldn't keep the law. They couldn't do it themselves. And so this was the, the way that was provided for them by God to deal with their sin. So they never thought that. And even, even Abraham was not able to keep the law. And so what is, what is the deal with this, this curse then? Basically saying this, is if, if you adopt a system, a system of law that you cannot actually keep, then you're following an insufficient system. Because it doesn't work. And the law was never meant to work that way. And so you're following a system that was never intended to actually bring you salvation, bring you justification. It's an empty system in that way if that's what you put your full trust in. So Paul is saying to the the Judaizers here and the Gentile believers that if you're reverting back to the way of the law, because that's what they were giving them the instructions to do, they say, no, you got to, now you have to come under the law, then what you're doing, you're putting yourself under that ineffective plan, that curse, what didn't work, and you're rejecting what Christ did by coming and becoming the curse for us. So basically, you're bypassing what Jesus did. See, there's only two systems really to follow, and it remains the same for us today. R.L. Cole says in his commentary on Galatians, he says, you either approach God with merit of our, without merit of our own, dependent on, only on the grace of God, 
or you approach him on the basis of our own merits. So basically you're saying, God, I can't do anything myself. It's all on you and your grace. Or you say, I'm going to try my hardest to keep this, the law and to do everything in this law. And they, he says, it, one works, one doesn't. And so there's the blessing that comes out of all this, even the good and the bad. He says this, so that in Christ, Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. This is what we, we call the great reversal. In Galatians 1 verse 4, Paul sets this out right from the beginning of this letter. He says that God himself, he gave himself for our sins. He took what we deserve upon himself. So if we step back, do you, do you get what Paul is saying here? That the promises of God of blessing and salvation do not land on a, on a nation or on an ethnic group but on a person, Jesus Christ. And this is why being united with Christ by faith brings about all the blessings that are found in him. And that's true for us today. God's redemptive purpose would not come by a nation in the land, but with Christ on a cross. So justification and the blessing of the Spirit come to us by faith and by faith alone. All right, but what, is, what does faith really look like? I, I've been thinking about this question, and because obviously faith is such an important part of this, this book, and it says justification by faith, by faith, by faith, of faith, of faith, through faith, through faith. And we so okay, so faith, what, is it, what does this really mean? What does it look like? So I want to give you a few words. Words are, are effective in some ways. They help us to formulate our, our thoughts and, and help to identify things when we try to articulate things. But sometimes, you know, words are going to fall short. But I'm going to give you uh, four words today that I think will help to, to put into perspective what, what real faith looks like. And all this to say at the same time, if in any way you hear me saying something that, is, that you have to work harder at, then, then you can start throwing stones. <laughs> All right, because this is obviously contradictory to what Paul is saying. All right, so what faith is, is how what we actually do, it's kind of our parts in the process. God has done, as we say, all the heavy lifting. He's done the work on the cross, and he says now we come and we have to do this by faith. So a few things about faith. First word is belief. First word is belief. Now faith is not something that is a blind leap. That, that isn't um, the understanding of, of faith, even though we, we hear that sometimes. Like, you know, take a leap of faith, or you just gotta, you just gotta believe, and it's something that, that might potentially happen. That's not the, the picture of, of faith in Scripture. It's not a mindless hope, but it's confidence in a person. And so all these words are empty, aside from being connected to the person of Jesus. Because our faith has to be fixed on him, okay? So belief. 
Now, there's a component of belief that is mean, means that you are able to articulate what you believe. If you're, you're in a, you know, on a chat with somebody and, and then someone asks you, well, what do you believe about God? Well, you would, you would start to write out your, your, some things that you believe. There's an articulation that happens. When we have someone in the baptism tank, the first question you know, that we ask them, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he provided your only means of salvation through his death on the cross? And there is a, a moment, there is a, that idea that that person needs to say, yes, I believe that. So there is some articulation, there is some affirmation of, of words of this, this is what I actually put myself under and say, I believe. This is what I believe. I believe what the Holy Spirit has revealed to me about God's redemptive plan in Christ, what he did to save the world. A couple familiar verses here, but John 3.16 just puts this so clearly. It's that, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Right, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. So there is there's a belief. Who would put their, their confidence in him? In John chapter 6, Jesus is, is saying that he is the bread of life and that they, they could feast on, on him. And they're confused by this and they're, they're wondering... What, what must we do to get this bread, to get this, this bread that lasts forever? What must we do to do the works of God? This is the natural question of, of humanity. What do we got to do, right? Someone offers you something or, you know, someone, it's like, what, okay, what do I got to do to get that, to have that? And they're saying, what do we have to do? And Jesus responds, he says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Speaking of himself, who was sent by God. The gospel writer John, he indicates this is the purpose of his entire gospel. In John 20, verse 31, he says, These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, faith is dependent on the object of, of our faith. And this is an important thing as we, we come to our understanding of faith. If, and I, I've probably shared this before with you, but I think it's a, it's a good um, illustration even right now as we think of the weather getting colder uh, and things turning to ice and hopefully not people falling on it. Uh, but in the back of our, our property in our house, we've got this pond, it's kind of a storm pond. And the city puts up these signs conveniently or, or nicely, politely, I don't know, but they say, don't, don't swim in this and don't skate on it. And, and every year I, I'm tempted, not the swimming part, I don't want to swim in there, no. <laughs> new. Um, but as far as when it freezes over, I want to I get out there with my a stick and puck, you know, and go, and, and there's always people that rebel, not me. But, when the ice starts to freeze, and it's kind of been that way a little bit lately, where, oh, it's, it's kind of freezing. And so I go out there, and I, you know, if I'm, I got my skates and everything, and I'm, I'm testing out this ice. And it's, it's, it's nice, right? It's not even like sometimes when we get that snow sleet stuff, and it's all bumpy. Like, no, it's, it's crystal. It's glass. Really smooth. 
And I go out there and I think, I'd probably test this, right? And I test the ice, you know, put thing, and it's like, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's, about, it's about an eighth, eighth of an inch thick, right? I'm like, but, but I really want to skate on this. It's really looking good. And so I lace my skates up, and I say, you know what? I'm just going to believe really, really hard. I, I'm going to believe. And my faith is, like, super strong. And I, and I get out there, and I take a step, and what happens? I start swimming. That is exactly it. Um, I, I watched a YouTube video the other day of how to survive going through ice. You know, it tells you exactly. Has anyone seen that? How to, how to do that? I don't even get to that point because basically it's just, it's turned to water all around me. I swim out. So we're thinking, okay, so I had a lot of faith in this, but that didn't seem to work. Contrary to that, I go out there in, you know, January and I test it and, it, and it's like a foot. It's a foot deep, frozen ice. And I'm like, nah, I don't know. And I lace up my skates. And I tenderly put my foot out there and my next foot out. And wouldn't you know it, it holds. Point is this, faith is dependent on the object of it. What you put your faith in has to be strong enough to hold and this is what we clearly, publicly articulate Sunday after Sunday. And the songs that we sing and the words that we preach is that Jesus will hold. That he is, he's the one that's been faithful. That he's the one that we can put our confidence and our trust and our hope in. He's a firm foundation. And so our, our faith, we would begin by saying, I believe in you, Jesus, even if, even if I don't feel like I always have that much faith, but I'm gonna, the little bit that I have, I'm going to put in you. And it will grow. Because you are true, you are solid, when everything around me in my world is shaky. Secondly, I receive. Salvation is a gift to be received by faith. Last week I, I mentioned this illustration of, you know, if you have this check for $100,000 and you just have it in your wallet or your purse and it's getting kind of, you know, crumpled and everything, and it's like, but you hold on to that. You, you've got a check for $100,000. Well, do you have that $100,000? You have a check for it, but you haven't deposited it. And so this is the, the idea of, of receiving by faith, what Jesus has done. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so it's a gift that we have to receive. John 1 verse 12 says, to all who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. And so by faith, we receive gift of salvation. Not just a statement of faith, but it's a person. It's a relationship that we receive. Third is surrender. I surrender. Surrender doesn't sound like a, you know, a great thing. Raising the, the white flag. But that's really what it is when we come to us in our relationship with God. We say, I surrender. I, I give up. I acknowledge the insufficiency of myself. And you make a declaration of dependence. Not a declaration of independence. The surrender of self doesn't always come easy. It's a work of the Spirit. 
And sometimes the Spirit's work is gentle and, and nudges us. And other times it's like a hammer. And you come to the end of yourself and you had nowhere else you got to go. And you say, okay, I give up. And some of you are nodding and you know that. You've experienced that in your life when you've tried to do things in your self-sufficiency. But you come to the end of yourself. And that's where you have to come to God and say, I, I give up. Galatians 2 verse 20 as we've already gone through, but it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so when we were crucified with Christ, giving up our ownership of ourself, our sufficiency, Romans 12, verse 1, also Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, the word is like yield, surrender your life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Faith in Christ means a transfer of faith in yourself to Jesus. Nothing that you can do on your own to save you. Finally, the, the word trust. I trust. I put my trust, my confidence in, in Jesus. This is the really a picture of action, of, of actually taking the step and doing something with what you say you believe. Bob Vernon was a, a former Los Angeles Police Department officer, and, and he would talk about how the, the department would test out these, these bulletproof vests, and, uh, and they would use them, they would demonstrate them, they would put them on these mannequins and have all the, the rookies come and fire bullets at these, these mannequins with these vests on. And then they checked them to see if any of the rounds actually penetrated into these vests. And invariably, the, the vests, wouldn't you know it, they would pass the, the test with flying colors. But then Vernon would say, turn to the rookie officers and ask, so now who wants to wear it now instead of the mannequin? <laughs> You've seen how it works. But now is the time to put it on. And really, do you trust it? Trust is the action part. It's the obedience. It's the act of following, saying I trust Jesus with my life. And so, Jesus, I say that I, I trust you with, with my current needs. I trust you with my, my finances. I trust you with my, my relationships with my future that's, that seems so unknown. I trust you with that. And I trust you with my eternity. As uh, our worship team comes up now, I wanna, we're gonna sing a song that's called Build My Life. And it says this in the chorus, it says, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken. And so as you sing these words, I just invite you to reflect on your own faith. And some of these words that we've talked about, how, how that, that's reflected in your faith story. And so can you declare that you today, you believe. That you've received. That you've surrendered. And that you're trusting in Christ alone.